Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. I'm going to talk today about three steps of trust. Three steps of trust. Um, just the... Uh, well, I guess it's been about a week ago. Um, we went out for uh, a day hiking and just um, hanging out at uh, Johnson Shut-Ins, which is in um, down in uh, Missouri, uh, kind of near Farmington uh, in um, Corey's stomping grounds. Um, and uh, and so we were down there with uh, Mel, um, my sister-in-law, and with Jen and the girls and everybody and. Um, I'm just going to spend a day there uh, hanging out and, and, and exploring a little bit. And so um, we, uh, we, we went about five minutes, really, a five-minute walk, and right away you get to the, the, the river. It's right there, and the shut-ins, they call them, but the shut-ins are basically like kind of a, um, like a, a, a valley or kind of like a, a wedge in the, in the rock where the water rushes through. And so it's real rocky, and you know, you're everywhere you walk is real slippery. It's all covered in uh, moss and stuff. And so um, we get to the first part, and you know, we look like people from Illinois uh, in the cornfields because we're slipping and sliding everywhere, trying to get in the water. Um, and so we we finally get in, and, and we're um, enjoying the the beautiful day. And then uh, we spent a little bit of time in that first part, about five, like I said, five minutes um, walk. It was pretty easy, all paved pathways and everything. Um, and then we, uh, we took a little bit more time and, and went a little further down the trail. And, um, and the way that the shut-ins are set up, most of the water feature of it that everyone wants to come to is right at the beginning. So it's pretty easy to access um, but you get to walk in a little further, and most of it's like a, a really nice deck, um, so to speak. It's like a just an easy pathway. You keep walking. Um, and then we got to the end of it. We wanted to explore even further up, and we get to this point where it's just a lookout, and it's a steep drop, and it's just um, blue water as far as, you, you know, as, as deep as you can see. Um, and and it, was, it was amazing. It was beautiful. Um, but... The thing is, the trail kind of stopped there and then went up this really, looked pretty treacherous uh, hike, especially for kids. And so we were okay and content with just staying where we were at. Plus, all the water was over here and up there was just rocks. So we were okay with not going any further from that point. So we, uh, we started to turn around to go back and we're like, let's go back down to the water somewhere. So we, we started to walk and we get to this little opening in the, in the, the fencing there. It was a gate that they keep closed at certain times because it's, yeah, I guess it can be pretty dangerous at times. So they had it open and people were coming up and down it. So we were like, you know, let's, let's go down there and see what else we can find down there. So we, we go a little bit further down and at that point I, I, t- I stopped and I, I kind of looked and like assessed the, the, the grade of everything and the rock and everything. And I, I thought, this is a little, this is a little steep, you know, and all this is just kind of like going through my mind. This is a little bit steep, but I think we can do it. Um, and so, you know, the, the least 
or the, the most of our worries was Nori. She's the youngest and, you know, um, would be the only one that I'd really be main, more concerned with than anyone else. And so I reached down my hand. She was right next to me. I reached down my hand and grabbed her hand, and I started walking her down the pathway. But every step as I was walking, it's like, you know, and you know when you're in the woods, every step's like kind of a new adventure, a new uh, a new potential for an ankle sprain or potential for something negative or bad to happen when you're walking through the woods. It could be, you could step on a snake. A lot of times, uh, you know, you're looking down and you're not looking up at things in front of you. So there's a lot of hazards in the in the path and things that we had to be concerned about. But I was just holding Nori's hand, and and you know I wasn't leading her in front of me. I was going down and making sure my footing was safe and making sure that this rock wasn't going to slip and this I wasn't going to slide here. I was going in front of her and testing out every step of the way, and then I would um, lead her behind me. And so we got, we got down to the bottom, and it was beautiful and, and just an amazing uh, place there, really, really beautiful. But God kind of was teaching me something in that moment. It was almost like in real time, I was feeling this like impression on me from God that like this is this is exactly what I do with you. I take the steps before you. I know what's in front of you. Um, every step of the way, I'm there. I'm with you at, at every step, and I'm not going to lead you down a path that I know isn't safe for you. I'm not going to lead you down a path that I know is is going to be too difficult for you to handle. I'm not going to do anything that's going to hurt you in your pathway, in, in your journey. And so for me, um, it, it was like, and you know, we hear that said all the time that we are God's children. We're the children of God. But along with that comes a certain level of trust between us and between God, between, you know, parent and child, so to speak. There's a certain level of trust on both sides. Everything in our lives revolves around a certain level of trust. Every decision we make is based on various levels of trust. What we eat. Some of us may be a little too trusting about what we eat. Uh, even though evidence has shown all of the negative benefits or the, or the negative things about what we're eating, we still eat it anyway. We still trust that we're going to be fine. It's okay. Um, what brands we use. We, we like to base our decisions off the brands that we use that we trust something that we trust. Uh, there's even a brand out there called Honest Brand, and I know all the, the mothers in here have fallen for the, uh, the brand called Honest, and they, they see that and they're like, well, that's a brand I can trust right there. Um, you see a brand like that and you immediately think, well, this is a trustworthy brand because it's called Honest. And so we, we, uh, we make these decisions every single day based off of various levels of trust. We base decisions not to use something because of what we've heard and what we know and what we, you know, what's in our mind about that thing. Um, you know, if, it, if something came out in the news that, uh, that there was a, a big health scare with some certain food brand, we all avoid that for a while. Um, if it's uh, that there was a... Uh, you know, salmonella on, on some kind of like meat or something that was distributed. And we all avoid that meat for a while. So we base decisions off of trust, levels of trust that we have or uh, a lack of trust. So where we put our money might be something that we 
place a certain level of trust in. We feel confident and comfortable in some banks that we can trust that they're going to keep our money and they're, they're not going to uh, uh, abuse that privilege. Um, but again, many of those things, especially in the world that we live in, cause our trust to, be, uh, to fail. Um, so if I, I mentioned this uh, to someone recently, that if my friends lied to me as much as politicians lie, that they wouldn't be friends for long. That if, you know, and it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it would be comical if it wasn't sad and depressing. But um, the fact that uh, politicians will literally lie to you and say something one week, and then two weeks later, a month later, will say the exact opposite thing. And, and I, we've seen it, you know, we see it all the time now, and it's just become commonplace that um, a politician's going to lie. That's just what they do. That's just part of, well, it's all politics. You know, we just, we brush it off. And then time comes for the election, and, and we forget about all that. Well, and, and we're just comparing. We're saying, well, I trust him a little more than I trust her. I trust her a little more than I trust him. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to base my decision off of that. So um, that, that's the world that we live in. That's what that's the, the world that, that surrounds us, that we interact with in, in every single day. But I want to talk about three steps of trust. Number one is to start with what you know. Life is complex, and trust is not a linear thing. We trust in others based off of what information we know about them. But, for instance, um, I might have a certain level of trust that that because my dad has always been a great dad and he's always been a faithful dad and he's always been good to me and he's always provided for us that if he says he's going to do something I'm going to I'm going to do this for you I'm going to buy this for you I'm going to do whatever I can trust that he's going to do it because he has done it in the past so I start with what I know I know that my dad is a good dad and that he's a provider and that he has provided for me before and if he says he's going to do it then he'll do it but for instance, if my dad said, I'm going to perform surgery on you, I would probably not trust him at all to perform surgery on me. Why? Because he's never performed surgery. And because I don't trust him, someone that doesn't know anything about surgery, to perform surgery on me. So to say that I just blanket trust people isn't always the case. You, you base it off of what you know. So start with what you know. Now, Nori knows enough about me to know that I'm not going to hurt her and I'm not going to lead her somewhere that she is going to um, get in, in, in harm's way. And that's because I have built up that trust with her. She knows that I have never, to this day, I mean, maybe I've accidentally caused her to get hurt in some way. I'm not Titus. I know Titus accidentally always gets his kids hurt, but... Um, but, uh, but our, our children, they, they learn, they know um, what they know. They start with what they know, and they know that they can trust us. So um, Nori knows enough about me to know that, that she can trust me. So as we took those steps, um, she started with, with what she knew. Now, to, um, to take that back even further, if, if I was standing at the edge of that, uh, that pathway... And to me, it looked 
almost impossible, she may even still come with me, knowing that I am trustworthy, knowing that I am worthy of that trust. Um, the Bible talks about in Matthew 17, uh, 14 through 20, there's a boy that was healed and um, Jesus, well, the, the, the man had taken his son to, uh, to the disciples and it says that they were not able to cure him. This is Matthew 17, 14 through 20. It says, and when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. Oh, this is Titus. Sorry, Titus. <laughs> um, but he often falls into the fire and often falls into the water. Um, so I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation. Now that seems pretty harsh. Uh, he just comes out saying, oh, faithless, perverse generation. Um, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then, in verse 19, the, this, then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief. For assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will, be, and it will move. And nothing will be impossible for you. In verse 21, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I believe what Jesus was doing here was he was doing, it was, it was almost twofold and probably even deeper than that, but he, he said that, for one thing, I've been with you so long. I've been with you all this time. How long shall I uh, be with you or bear with you? Um, how long shall I be with you? In other words, you should know this by now. You should have already understood this. You should have known what to do in this case. And calling them out as faithless, calling them out as a perverse generation, um, making this statement. But then he also um, compares it and contrasts it with a mustard seed, which is minute, tiny, small, and in one scripture even calls it the smallest of the seeds, um, meaning that it is one of the you know one of the smallest of seeds that you can find is a mustard seed, and then he contrasts that with the greatest thing, the you know the mountain that you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. So, in other words not saying that your faith has to match the level of that mountain for that mountain to move. It's not, you know, by the, the world's standards, by the world's terms, we would have to take that uh, whatever is equal to or even more powerful than that mountain for that mountain to be moved. You know, if we were to come up against a mountain and want to move it physically, what would we do? We would find equipment that could actually knock that mountain down bit by bit, piece by piece, something that was power, more powerful than the, the structure of that mountain. But what Jesus was saying was that you, all you have to have is just a minute amount of faith, and then you can move this mountain. So starting with what you know, you know, as disciples, that Jesus is that, that Jesus is God, that he is real. And you'll see all throughout scripture that 
that they, they doubt him. They don't understand. They don't know who he is. They, they doubt who he really is at many uh, moments in time. And this is after you know, a moment like this where Jesus healed a boy. You know, Jesus heals this boy and this boy is cured. And that enough should be enough for the next time when A, B, and C happen that I should know that God is enough and that he is real and all of these things. But it just shows us the, the, um, the, the fragility kind of of our, of our human condition and, and our, our trust in things. We, we base our trust off of the things that we know. And what we know is all these other factors, all these other things. But starting with what we know, number one. Um, going on in Matthew 13... Now, this was a, before Matthew 17 there, but Matthew 13, 31 through 32 is the parable of the mustard seed. And Jesus used these examples many times in Scripture uh, to give people a practical application to what they were facing. Um, these people, probably many of them farmers, would understand this kind of an analogy. Matthew 13, 31 starts with, it says, in another parable he put forth to them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and sowed in the field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, talking about how small, how minute, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Again, another example that God has given us to say that the kingdom of heaven is as a mustard seed. You don't have to start with some profound level of faith. You don't have to start with some uh, deep understanding of who God is and, and all of this stuff. You just have to start with what you know now. And, and that's okay if you're in the, in the area of life right now where you don't even, you're questioning God, you don't know if he's real. That's okay. Start with what you know. And go from there. We don't build. Um, we don't build. We don't build uh, houses without a foundation. We don't build um, houses uh, from the top down. <clears throat> and so, the mustard seed is a powerful analogy that Jesus uses to say that you don't have to have much. You can start with something small. You can start with something minute, and it will grow into something great. Number two in our three steps of trust is to be trustworthy. Now, that may sound uh, odd to say that you have to be trustworthy in a step in your steps of trust, but trust is not one-sided. It works both ways. You've, you've seen uh, the people do the trust falls and all of that stuff, and, and you, that, that takes a, lot, a high level of trust that someone's going to not drop you, especially when you know that some people like to pull pranks and do crazy stuff you know that they're not um, probably very good to be trusted. Um, even, if, even if they've been pretty trustworthy in the past, but that one time they, they weren't very trustworthy, there's a doubt in your mind that they might not catch you. Um, but trust is not one-sided. It works both ways. It, um, I have to be able to be trusted to go to areas of trust in God. I have to be able to be trusted. Matthew, staying in Matthew in, verse, uh, in chapter 25, uh, verses 11 through 16, talks about the parable of the talents. Matthew 25, verses 11 through 16. 
And again, he starts it by saying, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And then skipping down to verse 20, says, So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So what we find in this scripture is, uh, number one, um, this person who received talents, and this talents is a form of weight, so it's not um, not talents like I'm giving away, uh, uh, you know, the ability to play the piano or something, but talents that um, are a weight of currency. And so he gives it to them, and they were resourceful, and they were good stewards. Um, uh, the one was and was able to turn it into five additional talents, so double his amount. And what Jesus is talking about in this and trying to describe to people is that um, because you were faithful, because I gave you this and I was able to trust you, you were trustworthy, God was able to take him to places that he wouldn't have been able to take him before. You were faithful over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. So what is it that is in your hands right now? that God has placed into your trust. It might not be much. It might not be that he's trusted you with, um, maybe God has not trusted you with a ministry yet. Maybe God has not trusted you with a family yet or a spouse. Maybe God has not trusted you with a lot of different things. There could be any number or range of things that in your life has not happened, has not worked out, whatever it might be. But what you do have is a little bit of something that God trusts you with. It might be that God trusts you that you're going to be faithful to the house of God. Can you, can you take what God has given you and be faithful with it and multiply what he's given you? Can you take that little bit that you have and do something with it so that God will trust you with the next step? So this area of the unknown, um, like we talked about with this story in the beginning with Nori, um, there is a certain level of trust that I, I would not have taken her down that pathway if I had known that she couldn't handle it. And so I took that little bit of trustworthiness, that, that amount of trustworthiness that I had in her to take her down that pathway that I knew she could take. So being trustworthy, taking what you have and using it and being faithful with it. God will take that and make you faithful over many things, make you ruler over many things. So on a practical level, if it's the job that God has given you right now, um, not taking that for granted, not not just uh, God has blessed me with a job, but I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to let everything happen. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to coast. I'm, I'm going to show up late all this stuff, what is it that God has given me that, that God has trusted me with? 
And from there, God can build a foundation of trust in you so that he can take you places that you'll never expect, expect to go. So as I, as I led uh, Nori down that steep hillside, there were moments that I looked back at a tough spot and thought to myself, she can handle that. She can handle this. And there were times in, in my mind, just based off of uh, you know, her being young, that I thought, I might have to hold her a little tighter. I might have to be a little more cautious. But I still knew that I could trust her enough to do it. Um, or I thought that um, that's, that's going to be a little tougher, but she can do it. So, um, and, and we, why, why would I ask this or why would I question it? It's because I have learned over time to trust her. A short time, but I've learned to trust her. So I wouldn't take her somewhere I know she isn't able to handle. I'd take her where I can trust her. So having a level of trustworthiness, being trustworthy. And then number three is get uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable. So number one is start with what you know. Start with the most basic principles that you know, the, most, the, the things that you know about God and who he is, the things that you know about um, your relationship with God, having that built a, that little bit of trust with God, even if it's a minute amount, and then being trustworthy, taking what God has given you and using it and multiplying it. And then finally, get uncomfortable. To extend yourself into the realm of trust, it requires you to leave the comforts of what is familiar. To experience the supernatural, the natural must be abandoned. Matthew, uh, staying in Matthew, Matthew 14, 22 through 23. Everybody has probably heard the story, knows the story of Peter walking on the water. Matthew 14, 22 through, 20, through 33. But I think there's a lot in this scripture, in this passage that is, um, that is kind of below the surface, so to speak. Um, no pun intended. Um, but below the surface of, of what this story tells us. And so if you start in verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitude away. So Jesus, I believe even Jesus was probably preparing them for this moment. He knew what was going to happen. He didn't, he didn't have to guess what was going to happen next. So he sent them out in the boat and he laid the foundation for a teaching moment. So he uh, made his disciples get in the boat and go before him and to the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the, the uh, boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. Now on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Now, it just sounds so casual. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. So Jesus, being Jesus, goes and walks on the sea towards them. I think that makes sense. It's pretty efficient to just do that and not have to find another boat. He just walks straight to them. And so Jesus walks on the water. Um, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it is a ghost. Jesus walking towards us. They see him and, 
and they think he's a ghost, and I don't blame them. I think that would be, I mean, even to this day, I think if any of us saw that, uh, we would think it was a manipulated TikTok video or something. Um, we would think there was something unnatural about it. And so immediately, even though this is a guy who, uh, th this is a you know, God in flesh who has done so many great things and done miracles and all this stuff, we still, we see him walking on the water and we can't believe our eyes. And we're, we're just surprised by it. And so they cried out for fear. Um, they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. So he reassures them. But I, I like that he, he says, it is I. He is saying to them, he is uh, putting out there, by Jesus saying, it is I, he is saying that I'm the one you trust. He's saying, he's laying a foundation of belief. It is I. I am the one who, I've been with you all this time. You, you hear it all throughout scripture. We already saw that uh, passage of scripture where it talked about, um, how, you know, um, how long have I been with you? It's me, you know. He's trying to, to relay this message that it's me. I'm the one that you can trust. So he says, be of good cheer. You know, I know a lot of people walk in the room and they say, all right, everybody, I'm here. The party can start. You know, maybe, maybe this was Jesus. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. Um, so by him saying this, he is laying a foundation that says, in the chaos of what's happening right now, in the craziness of me walking on the water and this being a fearful situation anyway, and then compounded even more by the fact that I, some ghostly looking figure is walking out onto the water, um, he assures them and lays that foundation of trust, be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Now at that point, they should have, based off of what they knew, been okay. But in that moment, um, it says in verse 28, and Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Peter, doubting, he puts out a little test um, for God to prove himself, as if he has not already done this many times. Peter, doubting Jesus in that situation, decides to put him to the test. How many of us have ever put God to the test, saying, uh, God, if it's your will, I'm going to open my Bible and I'm going to point, and that's the scripture that, that, that I, I need in this moment. How many of us have just blindly said, all right, God, or, or put out something out there to say, well, God, if, I remember as a teenager, I, I would like, you know, I'd be praying or something and I'd, I would like, talk, I'm almost be talking to God in a conversation like, all right, God, if you do it, if you're going to do it, this is going to happen right now, and you wait. Or God, all right, okay, that didn't work. But if, if it's going to happen, God, this, it, this is going to happen, and you wait. And it never happens. And, and, and then you're, you're sitting there thinking, like, I don't know if God is real. You know, I've tested him, like, two or three times now. Um, and so, G, uh, so Peter, he, he puts it to the test. He puts God to the test and says, if it's really you, because I don't believe it's you completely yet, if it's really you, call me to come to you. And so it says in verse 29, so he, he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous and uh, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. 
Now, Peter had enough trust to take the first step out of the boat. I think that's probably a lot more trust than most of us probably would have. I mean, I would like to think we would, but that's, that's a big level of trust. To, but he had enough of that because of what he knew about if this is God, if this is really Jesus Christ, then I know I can walk out on the water to him because I've seen him do so many other things. So if this is really God, I can take this step. And so he does that initially, but with that hesitation that I still don't quite know if this is really God. So he takes that first step, and apparently he didn't sink right away. He actually is walking on the water. And so in my mind, I'm thinking, well, there you go. There's your answer right there. You, you have your answer. You stepped on the water. You didn't sink. You maybe took a step or two, and you're fine. But still, he began to sink. And why did he sink? Because he started to look at everything around him, started to look at all the things that were happening around him, and began to sink. But if you go back and you look at Peter and who he was and what his upbringing was and what his profession was before he started following Jesus in Matthew 4:18 it says that in Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen he was a fisherman this is a, a man that for one thing you don't step out of the boat you don't you don't get out of the boat until you're at the dock there's no reason to get out of the boat unless you're just interested in going for a swim uh, or you have a problem with the netting or you have a problem with something. Then you jump out of the boat or you step out of the boat. And so Peter was a fisherman. He was around this his whole life. He had built his career around being on the water. He had built all of this on um, being there in the water. And so it says here in another just level of trust that Peter had had initially, it says they immediately left their nets and followed him. That's, that's amazing. We've heard the story of the, the man that decided he wanted to go talk to his family, he wanted to do all these other things, and, and Jesus said, no, you're, you can't follow me. But these, these men immediately left their nets and they followed him. So they, they blindly even trusted Jesus at one point. But him being a man, a fisherman, someone who was familiar with that aspect um, and, and all that comes with it decided to step out on the water. knowing. But, but as he did and took those first few steps, he realized maybe everything that had went through his mind and everything that he'd been taught and trained, you never just step out of the boat, especially during a storm. You've you got to secure yourself. You've got to stay secure. Those are all the things that probably were going through his mind, and he began to sink based off of what he knew about the natural around him. And so... Immediately, it says in, in verse 31, Matthew 14, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Well, now you know. Well, now, you, now you understand. Truly you are the Son of God. But it's easy to give up in life situations when things get tough and we're in the middle of it. Because then that's when all the natural happens. That's when all the natural floods our minds, floods our, um, our conscience. We, we think of all the things that are that practically this cannot happen. 
we think of all the reasons why this is not this is not normal this is not natural this cannot happen but it's through those moments if we endure that we will grow in trust now they didn't they didn't say uh, as as peter was sinking they didn't say truly you are the son of god peter didn't say lord you are who you say you are as i'm sinking in the water but he just simply says um just calls out to him for help and jesus reaches down and helps him so if we endure through those tough times through those moments where the natural floods our minds and we see every reason why this should not happen that's if we are able to endure we will grow in trust so at the end of all of that that crazy chaotic situation where they thought they saw a ghost they saw peter sinking in the water they saw all these things the storm is raging it, it all works out in the end they're able to get through it and then they can truly say that you are the son of god now that doesn't mean that they trusted him forever they're human and they made mistakes and even to the end the disciples um abandoned god and ab- abandoned jesus and 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 didn't trust him you have uh doubting thomas who you know doubted that he was real had to touch his hands the holes in his hands so you you don't have to i mean just because you had this amazing moment this highlight in your life doesn't mean that you're going to always trust god no matter what because all that the natural comes and floods in now um if any of you have ever worked out or done any um any like weightlifting or, or or exercise or anything um you have probably found that that first time that you do it and then sometimes we overdo it and then afterwards our muscles are weak and our bodies are weak and our muscles are are uh you, you can't lift anything for days and you feel you feel so weak but the the process of that growth of that muscle after you work out your body repairs and replaces damaged muscle fibers through a cellular process where it fuses muscle fibers together to form new muscle protein strands these repaired muscle strands increase in thickness and number to create muscle growth muscle growth occurs when the rate of muscle protein synthesis is greater than the rate of muscle protein breakdown this does not happen while you actually lift the weights instead it occurs while you rest so we grow in our trust not when we're in the battle because those are the times where we we don't have a lot of faith we don't have a lot of trust but when we endure through it and we keep consistent and we keep basing off of what we know in God and trying to do our part to be faithful with what God has given us that's when we can sit back and look on all that God has done and say God I trust you just as Peter was weak in his faith in the middle of the storm he was much more confident in his faith afterwards enough to say truly you are the son of God it was through that moment and and just as as the i just mentioned the fibers the muscles begin to tear and begin to um to to stretch and and they feel weak and you feel like how how can i be doing good for my body how can i be strengthening myself when i feel so weak i've just lifted weights that's supposed to make me stronger but because 
of that process of, of stretching and growth and what it takes to get you where you want to go, it takes those moments in the middle of the trial. But when you look back on it, just as it said there, that this does not happen when you're actually lifting the weights, but instead while you rest, that's when growth happens. So as we look back on what God has done for us, as we look back on the many things that God has done in our lives, just as those, the thickness of those muscles increase, just as they strengthen more than they've ever strengthened, just as when a bone breaks, the, uh, you, know, you may have a, a, a weak bone, but when it breaks, it fuses together and it becomes stronger than it did before. Just as all of that happens and the, the breaking happens, if you are able to endure it, God will help you to grow in trust. Can we pray today as we close out this teaching that God would just help us to trust him? That God would just help us to start with what we know, try to be as trustworthy as we can so that God can trust us with greater things and to get uncomfortable, get out of the realm of the unknown. Let's pray. Jesus, we